1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. It's our wrap of day two from Lords. I'm Menas. I'm joined by Paul Dennett. Paul, so much to get into, but another scintillating day's action.
0: Yeah, what a day. Um, you know, the full crowd, plenty of sunshine, wickets and runs galore. Um, you'd be hard-pressed going through all the test matches at Lords over the years to find many days more entertaining than this one, I reckon.
1: Indeed. So the state of play, Australia were bowled out in the first session for 416. Josh Tongue took the figures for England at three for 98. Ollie Robinson, the pantomime villain, took three for 100. And then in reply, England were four for 278 at stumps, with Harry Brook not out on 45 and Ben Stokes not out on 17. Maybe the moment of the day, though, didn't have anything to do with the scorecard but was the sight of Nathan Lyon limping off with what looks like a significant uh, calf injury and he didn't take any further part in the day's play and could struggle to take any part in the rest of the match and Paul that is as significant as any moment in the series so far.
0: Yeah it was a very sad thing to see um as well that He had to hobble so far around the boundary to get to um, the sanctuary of the dressing room and you could tell he was in pain and he was um, emotional. Not only the fact that he would seem almost certain not to take any part in the rest of this match. um, You know, who knows? It might be better than we we feared. But with this being a back-to-back test match, his position in the the third test has to come under question and indeed his position in the entire series. That's a devastating feeling playing in... His 100th test, ironically, the first ever bowler to be able to do that, and showed what a difficult feat it was that um, he, he's 100th consecutive test um, to then come down with an injury. So, yeah, it was a really sad moment.
1: I guess for me, I, I'm very concerned about his injury for this test match because Australia bowling last on that dry, slow pitch, Nathan Lyon would have been crucial as it looks like maybe England will be chasing a target at the end of the match so that to me is a huge loss in the match but I'm actually not so concerned about the rest of the series because unlike England we do have a very good second spinner in Todd Murphy who excelled in India and I think Ravi Ashwin said after the series that um, Todd Murphy was better than when Nathan Lyon first went to India so concerned about this match but we do have a ready-made replacement for the next
0: Yeah, I was kind of more thinking about it from a a human point of view. I don't sort of regard the players as commodities. I was, you know, just feeling sorry for Nathan Lyon. No, I feel sorry for him (laughs) too. I mean, that was devastating, seeing him basically
1: crying as he walked around um, to the the dressing room. And you can just tell, how you know, how much it means to him. And you, you could sort of see him looking at the pitch like, you know, this, you know, sadness that he wasn't going to be out there to to contribute is such a big team member. But, yeah, have a lot of compassion for him, Paul. But just on an analytical level, as you said yesterday about being objective, and I'm, I'm still not <laughs> sure if saying it's a shame if England lose is objective, but I don't want to get caught up in that. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think not, I'd love, you know, Todd Murphy is a very good bowler. So, unlike England, we won't be you know, having to pluck, you know, Stephen O'Keefe out
0: of retirement and throw him out there. Um, one point that I, I think maybe this is my time for my um, outlandish point for, for the podcast, but I was there in 2019 when Jimmy Anderson got injured in the the, the fifth over of the day and England were a fast bowler short for that, for that entire first test at Edgbaston. Um, and I, I think that now that we are used to, as cricket fans, the whole protocol around the concussion substitute, whereas it was once thought, oh, someone gets injured, you can't replace them because there could be shenanigans going on. I think the sport is mature enough now, and I'm not saying this again as a partisan Australian. That's why I'm quoting the same example from when Jimmy Anderson got injured during the test match. I think the sport is at the point where they should be able to say in these situations, Nathan Lyon can be subbed out of this test match and Todd Murphy brought in. And I know that goes against all of history, but I think it's a better sport for one side not being um, cruelly um, not so much in the contest because of an injury. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that as an Australian, I'd say it if it was an England equivalent as well.
1: Yeah, I see your point. I, I mean, yeah, I do, I do see your point. Um, the, the other thing is, I guess, about the Australian um, attack. I mean, this is the value of Cameron Green. You know, we have a fourth bowler in our 11 and he'll have to bowl more overs than maybe they would like, but we actually do have four frontline bowlers and then we can use the part-time spinners backup. So, you know, that just shows you how important camera Green can be in these situations. Um, I, I tend to agree with you on the the substitute um, issue, um, but unfortunately, it's probably the people that try and bend the rules that ruin it for everybody in this situation.
0: Um, yeah, that, that, that is true. But I think that they could put enough rigour around the... Um the process to ensure that that wouldn't happen. And if it happened once in a blue moon, I still think it's probably um, a risk worth taking. I, I think Travis Head's going to come into his own as well. Obviously, we've got Labashain and Smith who can bowl too, but Head looked pretty um, pretty handy in, the, in the, the small amount of overs that he bowled. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes in the final innings.
1: I was also surprised, Steve Smith, Got the ball as I think for the last over of the day. I sort of thought minus would be a better option, but who knows what he's been bowling—whether it's medium pace or off spin or, <laughs> or leg spin in, in the nets. I guess I've got a hypothetical for you. Say you Nathan Lyon, you're running in, you, your calf goes, and in and cause your calf goes, you fall over and you hit, hit, your, head. Your, head, hit your head. Exactly.
0: So well, what, what what do they do then? Well, that's what they should have done. They should have said. Um, that actually uh, there was a we, no one noticed it but a ball when he was batting actually bobbled up and cracked him on the head. Um, and um, or maybe they're playing soccer in warm-ups and he got hit on the head then. Or uh, a
1: champagne cork hit him from some of those snooty <laughs> Lords members. <laughs> I don't know
0: the if jolting saw... of the, yeah. the jolting of his calf actually also jolted his head.
1: <laughs> um, all right, so let's get into the the, the action. The, an exciting morning with England cleaning up Australia. Uh, the first player to go was Alex Carey, uh, LBW off broad. Good review, looked plumb, not sure how the umpire missed it. And then uh, Mitchell Stark was out, caught by Bairstow off Anderson. One had gone in a similar area just before that, sort of to first slip, but Jimmy, Johnny Bearstow, dived across and took a very good catch. Um, so that meant Australia was seven for 358. And then the moment, that will be etched in the memories of Australian fans. The man that was booed onto the pitch scored his 32nd test century, Steve Smith. I'm talking about. He's now equal second with Steve Waugh with test centuries for Australia. It was his 12th in the Ashes. He's now only behind Don Bradman. And he goes past Steve Waugh's mark of 3,173 Ashes runs. So he's only behind Alan Border. Jack Hobbs and, of course, Don Bradman. I mean, it was a, a,
0: a remarkable innings. Remarkable innings from a remarkable player. And I'm really excited about the fact that, if you remember the 2019-20 summer, after his amazing performance in England, Channel 7, um, to build up the season ahead, we're talking about Smith as though, you know, he's the best we've seen since Bradman and really pumping up the history side of things. And then COVID came and he's formed... His form's been fine, but it hasn't quite been at that 2019 level since. And the feeling of that he is carving out this niche of he is going to be the second greatest batter ever has sort of dissipated a little bit. But in the last few months, I think it has come back. And this sort of innings, you look at that and think, this really is. Um, if he continues this way, if he can finish up with the test average around about that 60, 61, 62 mark, he's going to make a very powerful argument for being the second best batter of all time.
1: Indeed. So he was out for 110, caught at Gully uh, off the bowling of Josh Tongue, sort of flashing at a wide one after the drinks break. Ben Duckett took the catch. A a little bit of a loose dismissal. I think he did the right thing because he had Pat Cummins out there and they needed to score, but he looked very disappointed. and then Lyon was out, caught by Tungoff-Robinson for seven. Hazelwood, caught by off robinson for four. So Australia effectively went from a three for 3.16 when Head and Smith were together to all out for 4.16. So it's seven for 100. And you have to say, Paul, that's slightly disappointing. And when you look at the way England batted and how much the
0: pitch is flattened out, they did leave 30 or 40 runs at least out there. I agree. Uh, just on Smith and the, they, the commentators talked about it, but it was wonderful footage seeing him walk through the long room and then up the stairs and everything else. And I don't know whether he knew that he was on camera or not, but just the pure disappointment on his face. is just, that's amazing. I mean, if I got a hundred, I'd be desperate to get out so I could start celebrating. He's got 110 Um, and there's no reason to be anything other than joyous, but just shows the level of um, competitiveness. Or maybe just because he likes batting so much, he's sad that he's going to have to not be batting now. But that was pretty cool. Um, Great vision. And yeah, I think that England, as they often do, they didn't take advantage of things on day one, but on this second day where they kind of got a a second hit at it, a pretty new ball, um, it was fairly cloudy early on, they didn't do brilliantly, but they did enough to keep themselves in the game. And I really think that yeah australia probably will look at that and think maybe more than 30 runs short um that they might have been 130 runs short of where they should have been given you know root getting a couple of wickets etc
1: yeah i do think england have got the the best of the batting conditions it looked a lot easier to bat on day 2 so england had to play face four overs before lunch uh, australia didn't get a wicket but then they came out blazing after the lunch break and Zach Crawley dashed to 48 off 48 deliveries and he put on 91 with uh Ben Duckett some scintillating stroke play um, Mitchell Stark and Josh Hazelwood took a bit of tap I didn't think they bowled that badly I thought it was excellent excellent uh, batting and uh, yeah so the pitch looked pretty flat and the sun was out and they just came at Australia
0: yeah and I think it was the best of the the English style that um when, when the the pitch is quite flat and there the, were the runs to be had. Typical traditional cricketing logic after having conceded over 400 in the first innings would be, all right, we're going to have to go up there guys and bat for two days and, and do everything right. And instead by playing with that freedom, the remarkable thing was that having felt like England were miles behind in the game for so long, um, when England reached none for 85, I was watching the the betting kind of as a, as a barometer for how things are going. Because um, I think they put, have they put Windviz behind a paywall? I can't seem to say it anymore. Anyway, so I was looking at the betting, and at none for 85, England clicked over into favouritism. Uh, so it's quite an extraordinary situation, having been behind for so long, a couple of um, flurries of strokes, and the, the punters were thinking they were um, in the ascendancy.
1: I'm not surprised because that hour after lunch was electric. At the, the drinks break in the session, England were already 88 for none after 17 overs, so they were dominating Australia. And sort of, you, it was a bit of a feeling of where was Australia going to get a wicket? Well, they turned to their veteran, playing his hundredth consecutive test, and Nathan Lyon dismissed Zach Crawley, who was stumped by Alex Carey, wide of leg stump. He looked again an extravagant shot, and the first wicket fell at 91 for
0: one. Yeah, you kind of. Sorry, go go on. No, no, go on. It's one of these ones, a bit like Root's dismissal in the second innings of the first test, where you look at that in isolation and think, "Geez, that's not the greatest shot." But you kind of have to take it with all the other runs he got playing those um, quite expansive, um, controlled shots uh, early on. It, It comes as a package, I think, and I think that is the right way, definitely, of all of them for Crawley to play because his overall record is so modest. I just don't think if he plays in traditional test match style. He's got much chance of, um, of being overly successful. Um, but. Um, then Ollie yeah. Pope, Ollie Pope came out after
1: resting in the dressing room because of a, a shoulder injury. And he supported Ben Duckett, who really started to open up. He he finished up with 98 of 134. And he said after play that it was his, was his best innings in an England shirt. And someone made a joke that, um, I think you left two balls in your innings, Ben. And he said, oh, he was so kind of disappointed. Um, <laughs> um, but but then Australia turned to kind of a short ball tactic in the afternoon. This was after tea. Uh, they decided to bounce the hell out of England and it paid dividends. Um, Ollie Pope towed one uh, of Cameron Green and was caught at deep square leg by Steve Smith. Fantastic running catch. He was out mm. for 42. And then, yeah. Two or three balls, I think three balls later, um, Green had Root caught behind off the glove by Alex Carey. And I was dancing around my living room thinking, yes, Root's gone. No ball. Now, now we have smashed England for their lack of professionalism. Australia really struggled with no balls yesterday. Well, sorry, Cameron Green struggled. He bowled six. And I've heard that sometimes the slope at Lords can mess with bowlers run-ups. Well, it's got Cameron Green.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Lords is only—I think Lords at this venue, off the top of my head, I think it's 1805 that they've been there. So Australia's only had 220 odd years to get ready for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, would, but he it, hasn't played there before. That's the problem. No, I know, but it's not like it's a secret that there's a slope at Lords, and they are professional athletes. I just think that that, that there's is there any danger of actually preparing for it. I think that's an utterly unacceptable excuse that there's a slope at Lords. It's like. It's like a swimmer drowning and not being aware that, you know, you've got to learn to swim beforehand. Um, Like just practice, go out into the nets, say we are going to make sure that with this slope, we'll put in contingency measures to make sure that you don't bowl a single no ball. Um, And I I think it's pathetic that they didn't.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, it's very disappointing. And it could have been so costly that we could have rooted. It, It ended up not being so costly because, um, he was dismissed by Mitchell stark um off the ball I've uh, caught uh, a short ball again uh, great well we'll just go in between though ben duckett was out so duckett was out for 98 um swinging a short bo- uh, bouncer off Hazelwood to fine leg um good catch Excellent by Warner. Catch. very yeah. good catch. yeah coming in Warner made it actually look easy mm. um so 98 off 134 for duckett and that left England three for 208. And just to give you an idea of how quickly they were scoring, England's 200, to 200 runs came off 40 overs. Um, so they were scoring a five and over, which was pretty exceptional stuff. So then um, Joe Root was out for 10. Stark bowled a short ball, and this was a fantastic catch. Root, um, pulling it, didn't time it. It, it sort of was short of sort of backwards square, Steve Smith came in, caught it one-handed and sort of dragged it to his chest and held on to the ball. Now, Paul, this reminds me of a famous incident where uh, Steve Waugh took a catch off Brian Lara in the 1995 West Indies tour. The, Nothing the to see here.
0: Nothing to see here.
1: The difference Nothing. between the, the difference between <laughs> this one is Steve Smith actually caught this one.
0: Uh, that was a clean catch from Steve Waugh. Shut up. I still, to this day, I don't think Steve Wall can actually um, leave his hotel if he's ever in um, uh, Port of Spain in Trinidad and Tobago.
1: I'm not surprised. So that was just a, a phenomenal catch by Smith. Uh, he, he sort of got his fingers under it and it, it was just, it just so the, the way he was able to get his fingers under it and then pull it to his chest with one hand uh, could have gone anywhere, but he, he clutched onto it and that left him in four for 222. Um, so, You know, they'd lost uh, three wickets for 34, all to the short ball. And a lot of the English fans were going nuts that England were giving their wickets away. Um, Yeah. So what what do you think? I I mean,
0: that's the way they play, whether you like it or not. Yes, it's an interesting interesting set of passage of play because Australia's short ball tactic has been vindicated, but I don't think it should have been. I don't think that England should have um, played that way. I understand that having told the players, play with freedom, play with freedom, play with freedom. If after, um, you know, Pope's trying to hit sixes off short balls when there's three fielders back, if uh, someone had kind of given him the message, mate, any danger of not doing that, it would have felt like a very mixed message. But I think surely part of it could have been, hey, this approach that we have is to play with freedom, but we don't have to play stupidly. If they're going to put um, everyone on the boundary and bowl loads of short balls, there are going to be plenty of easy singles to take. Milk them, take the easy ones, and we'll still score quite quickly. Um, I just think that would have been the smart thing to do. And it was interesting how Stokes, who in earlier innings, in, in the sort of basball era, um, not, not in the Ashes, but prior to that, he had been sometimes coming out and playing with extravagant um, freedom, trying to hit the first ball he'd faced for six and all sorts of things to almost signify to a uh, signal to the team, you can play with this freedom because look what I'm doing. He's now playing um, in the opposite way. It's not the first time in this series. He's come out and played uh, rather defensively and sensibly. Um, I presume the pressure is getting to him a little bit, but also I think he realised that was the right way to, to play at that time.
1: Indeed. But there was a, a vital moment not long before Stumps, probably just, a, just maybe 45 minutes to an hour before Stumps. Cummins comes in, bowls a short ball at Harry Brook, who's on 25. He goes back, tries to pull it, doesn't time it. He he hit it okay. And Manus in front, just in front of square leg, dropped a, v- a very easy catch by his standards, just went through his hands and gave Brook a let off, who was on 25. That would have made England five down with about 30 or 40 minutes to go, which would have been a lovely position to have a crack at Johnny Bairstow. Um, I think he, Australia may rue that catch even more tomorrow if Brook goes on with it. But even in that last hour, uh, Brook and Stokes put on 50. Brook looked good and, you know, very sloppy.
0: Uh, I, I think that it was a disappoint, disappointing drop from Labashan. I don't think it was a very easy catch. I think it was a a little bit similar to the Smith and Warner catches that it was um, a sharpish chance and that uh, he should have caught it. But um, it wasn't quite as easy as that, I don't think. But still, yeah, a costly loss. Uh, Brooke was playing amazingly like you know that one where he backed away to green uh green ended up pitching it up he slashes at it it misses the stumps by about a, a centimeter and I think in commentary was it at Atherton saying if that had hit the stumps it would have been one of the most extraordinary dismissals of a specialist batter at lords ever uh Brooke's reaction was to giggle and it was like there's baseball writ large like the no fear of being front page or back page next day of you complete fool um you know, the, the, the freedom continues. And I've criticised it because I don't think it was pragmatic with the short balls, but you've got to also admire their bravery in doing it. And it, as I said, has made for another scintillating day of cricket.
1: So England went to Stumps 4 for 278, trailing Australia's 416. Ben Duckett said after play that he he felt that if England can win the first session on day three, then they can go in front in this match and take control of it. And I tend to agree with them that without Nathan Lyon, if they can uh, get to sort of, you know, close to 450, 500, they could put some pressure on Australia.
0: They might declare overnight. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very interesting. Them. It'll be very interesting if um, uh, we're sort of parlaying a fair way ahead, but, what will Australia do in their second innings um, if they are in a position where they have to make a declaration? How much rope will they give England? Because I, if I was Cummins, I would be reluctant to give England anything. Um, and, I, you know, maybe it'll be taken out of their hands because they'll get bowled out or whatever else. But, if you know, if, if there's a situation where leading into the final day, Australia was... Um, uh, or, or at any point that Australia had an opportunity to give England a chase of at five and over or something like that, I'd be saying no, nah, I'm giving you absolutely nothing. We'll give you nine and over, and if you want to get that, you can. But uh, we're, we're more than happy to co- to take a draw and leave leave here leading one nil.
1: I think given Lyon's injury, that's very sensible. And I'm surprised to hear you say that, but I thought you'd say for the good of the game, Australia should declare and make a game of it. But um, you finally come <laughs> to your senses, two tests in. Um, all right. Well, um, I agree. I think, you know, you have to add on, you know, 50 to 100 given Lyon's injury. So definitely. But it might be taken out of our hands. Um, there was some criticism though of this pitch uh, overnight that it has sort of Flattened out and is actually a little bit uninspiring, so it, it's going to be hard to it was, take.
0: With, yeah, I thought it was actually a little bit better on day two. It had a, there was a bit more pace and carry. I, I, I was very critical of the pitch after day one, wasn't I? Saying we should have synthetic wickets there. Um, I softened a little bit. I thought, you know, um, I think on day two where was it three hundred and fifty runs scored for nine wickets or whatever else that um, and how many overs did they bowl? Probably ten short of where they should have been. Um, that's um, I, I think the pitch did better on day two than day
1: one all right well that's it for our wrap of day two of lords you've been listening to the cricket unfiltered podcast please rate and review the show we also record our weekly show live on youtube sometimes so go and subscribe to our youtube channel all the details are in the show notes if you want to support the show paul thank you very much we'll catch up after day three can't
0: wait This is a Piccolo podcast production.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.